Is this the reading room? Yes, I'm Saad Manzul. And I'm Travis Howard. This is Reading Room Talk. Thank you for pressing play. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, welcome back. Oh, What's yeah, going we, on? Out we out here on the west side. We live on location. Dr. Tama <laughs> look how are you, man? I'm doing good, fellas. How are you guys? Oh, good, well. good, man. We out here. You're already yeah, something like that. <laughs> Yo, so we know, we know you're a radiologist, we know you're a beast, but you were in med school at one time. So tell us, what was your toughest class or rotation in <laughs> school? You know, it's a little bit tough to answer because I was just on cloud nine those first two years, just living in LA. Like, <laughs> yeah. my brother and I, we always joked that the eye and the ear made no sense in med school. So, <laughs> and ironically, I went into neuro. Yep. Maybe one of those two, but I mean, I would say probably the hardest was just like um, those 12 weeks of surgery while mm. telling them I was going into surgery. Mm. Oh, yes. You know, yes, you, can, you can show up on some rotations and just be like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And then they're like, well, we don't know what to do with you. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's fine. But if you show up on surgery, you need letters, etc. So there's no hiding it so you show up on surgery like what do you want to do i'm like i want to do surgery and they I'm just sorry. trying to crack their knuckles like let's get to it and you're like mm. oh should have yeah. said that ah uh, yeah that's real <laughs> but, man. Um, that is yeah so you know i don't know it was pass fail the first two years like it was hard but it wasn't hard to pass like it was hard to maybe master it but it wasn't hard to pass but then yeah. third third year was a big ramp up and i remember surgery just just being tight i was tight <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> was no, there any specific like anything specific about surgery or was it just like any specific like situation oh i just i just felt like that was like the peak of my like third year paranoia like everything i'm doing is being evaluated really? like, what time, you know like what time i walk through the door do yep. i need a lunch do i not oh. need a lunch like did oh, he yeah. did he was he like sterile today? Oh, he messed this up. <laughs> you know, just like I was just super yeah. like, oh, did he read? Did he round yeah. before the intern who was rounding before we rounded? And it was just like, you know, it was a lot of that. And I just I was very aware of that. And so I'm I was just, just like <laughs> Yeah. Man, and you know the so well. the thing is like all my friends in med school were just shooters, you know? So, mm-hmm. every, you know, a lot of them are surgeons today. A lot of them were always killing it. So you just like, you know, teehee, yeah, yeah, it's good for me too. But, <laughs> you know, so that, it was just like when you see them kind of going through it, you kind of put high expectations on yourself. So it was that. It was just like the crazy – I don't even know if the expectations were that high mm-hmm. as much as they were like in my head. Like I didn't realize you weren't supposed to kick it. Like, you know, like after a case, like everybody sits down and like, I didn't realize like I'm supposed to just like find work to make myself useful. Like, you don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, oh, yeah. like the work stops and you're like, oh, this is cool. Like I get to, like, I get to grab a, a hanger with them. And I'm like, oh, like I'm supposed to be like wheeling somebody somewhere, following up on a lab somewhere or right, like call, right. calling the intern who's not in the OR being like, do you need help? So I didn't, you know, like <laughs> you do that for twelve weeks, like you know. But it's a lot, man. It's yeah, it's it a is lot. a lot. It is a, a lot. lot of pressure on yourself. Yeah, you just end up again. When it's something that you definitely want to do, like it, you just feel like you're at the combine, and you're just like, you know, getting oh, yeah. judged for everything. Like you're getting interviewed, you're getting measured, you're getting everyone's like asking what what you do, like what's your forty time, like what about the and, shuttle? Just like, come on. <laughs> and let's and so, like, we have to talk about how you know we the pressure we feel 
you know, being, you know, African American, being one of very few that walk through the doors, like, yeah, you feel, you feel a whole lot of pressure to just perform your ass off. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think till this day, even sometimes, mm-hmm. like anytime you start something new, it's just kind of in your head. You're like, I'm the black guy, and they have, and even though they may not, you just like they may have some preconceived notions about the black guy and how the black guy got here. Yeah, and, and not even know they have them. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so you're just like, I just need to not reinforce whatever you know like you kind of got to prove yourself to yourself i don't know it's a weird to them, it's, it's horrible man like you say yeah you're, micro, you're just under a microscope but uh you survived it you did it yeah no, you did it man so tell yeah. us how, how did you do it where did you come from to do it though tell us where are you from and where'd you grow up oh man i grew up i mean i was born in raleigh north carolina i never lived there i moved when i was like a year to akron i did everything in akron i grew up there and my family, uh, my parents are from Sudan, just like sides, and just huge. I mean, my dad it was a professor. My mom was, uh, you know, she taught part time at the University of Akron. They both did, and it's like education was just huge. And my parents, like you know, immigrant parents, just all gas. So <laughs> they put they put me in school very early. So like I graduated high school when I was sixteen, not because I was like anything stellar. But yeah. just like they just like started me that early. I didn't skip a grade or anything. Mm-hmm. And I think I needed I ended up going to University of Akron. And I think I needed like a little bit of time to just kind of like mature. Like I think I had the mental capacity, but I didn't really have like the discipline to be a quality student. Like mm-hmm. I was just really into sports and mm-hmm. just like easily distracted. Mm-hmm. And then I got to college and like things slowed down for me a little bit. And I got the chance to kind of be a big fish in a small pond kind of oh yeah and um yeah those things were those things were huge for me for sure i mean you kind of had a star-studded career at university of akron so what did you major in when you were there uh so i majored in mechanical engineering crazy and that's probably well the, the thing is you know when you're in high school you have to take classes and everything so unless you get at everything that GPA is going to be lukewarm. <laughs> but then <laughs> if you're just good at math and physics and then you get your whole GPA based on math and physics, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you go, you know, it's good. It's just going to be a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Um, yeah, so that was that was kind of what happened. And then that's awesome. it's it's very funny because I wasn't planning on doing medicine. And there were like a few things that happened. Like one was my first year, I took a like a long look at all the jobs the seniors were getting. And going to like a state school in Ohio, it was just like a very kind of local, regional mindset to yeah. everybody, you know, and they weren't doing anything wrong. That just wasn't what I saw for myself. You know, it's like the same trajectory where you like kind of do a co-op, you mm-hmm. kind of do a five-year degree where you work for two semesters mixed in there, and then you get a job somewhere in Northeast Ohio, mm-hmm. going out 65000 eventually mm-hmm. getting engineering management, you know. I maybe, remember yeah, that. Yeah, and I was just like, this that, that was it. That was the dream. That was the that was the move, bro. And everybody, yeah, well, oh man, you hear the co-op in a where and where, and I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> it just wasn't yeah. really it for me. And oh, then for yeah. some reason, that spring was the first time I ever did well in biology and chemistry. Actually, I think it was just chemistry. Mm-hmm. I was just not, you know, I was just a math and physics guy. Mm-hmm. And then that summer, somebody on this podcast had just matched in radiology and was moving to 
DC. And I distinctly remember visiting Todd. <laughs> this is hilarious. <laughs> I distinctly remember visiting Todd. And it's like, you know, you ever watch those like ESPN documentaries or something where like a kid goes back home and he just like knows everybody. <laughs> like, you know, like, so I go visit Saad and Saad's like, oh, I'm at, I got to go say thank you to some people. And we're like walking in, we're like dapping up the security guard. We're like, you know, like <laughs> he, he knew everybody. And this is such a random like portrayal of what being a doctor was. But I was just like, yo, this, this looks awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> this, I was like, this looks awesome. So I was doing good in chemistry. Yeah. I, ne- I needed something to pivot to. And so I was making it look like it was the dream. So I was like, let me just take a couple more classes to keep these doors open. Signed up for OCHEM fall. And then I was kind of doing double dipping between pre-med and engineering. And the rest was history. Wow. Exposure. Side yeah. To, to the good life. That's no, the exposure is real, man. Because, I mean, I had spent so much time at Case. I spent, like, I did, like, the MMP program there. And then, like, I came back was an RA for, like, that same program for two years. So, like, I really did, like, seven years at Case. So, by the time I finished, like. I, like, I just knew everybody there, you know, so, and plus, and like, you know, Cleveland's like very, uh, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, so. I feel like nobody really, like, now I look back, and people are like, oh, how you do this, how you did that, like, everything I did, I got it from somebody else, like, yeah. you just, yeah. you know, no one, yeah. no one really comes up with anything out of thin air, yeah. oh, you know, like, every, you're just Nothing kind of, under the sun. Exactly. yeah, you're That's just kind true, of copying man. people and going off people's similar personality and taking wrecks from people, and then you put it together, and now it's your story, and that's, yeah. you know. That's how so you just, Yeah, knowing a lot of people, really. So tell us, I mean, so you, you did very well. I know you gave a graduation speech at the University of Akron because you were uh, murdering everything, so. <laughs> how did, so like, tell us, tell us about that situation. You did really well in school, so you got to, like, kind of tell us how, like, you made that happen for yourself. Man, I think I started to get like, I don't know, it's kind of like confidence begets more confidence because like once you get out of high school, all of a sudden you're like, you're kind of constantly applying or interviewing for something. And so I really honed that skill like very quickly where I was like articulate. I learned to kind of be like a storyteller. And like I started getting to the point where it was like I was eating up interviews. Like if I needed to do something, like I knew I could just... I was just really confident speaking. I think that maturity kind of set me apart. And so I was like, oh, wow, like people are viewing me. Because I think in high school, like you're with the same people K through 12. So like whoever you were in sixth grade is like whoever people just know you as. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I got to college and I started getting some confidence. And like, you know, my GPA was like high. And I was like, oh, like I'm like I can be kind of that guy. Like I can't do very well. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so confidence um, is so important. Yeah. And, you know, my, my sister had gone to Princeton and I went to the University of Akron. I'm proud of my degree, but obviously, you know, there's a little bit of like, you know, you feel like you want to achieve something as well. So I just started, I just, you know, and I was good at math and physics. So I just started grinding, you know, yeah. I was grinding and I wanted to get to a big city so bad. Like all I wanted mm-hmm. to do was move to a big city. If it was New York, if it was DC, if it was LA, it was yeah. whatever. And so, you know, summertime I was doing research, year round I was doing research. Um, so by the time I got time to interview for med school, I had so much to talk about. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Because there's really only so much, you know, like volunteering is cool, whatever, but most of the top institutions are research institutions. So whether you about it or not, if you can at least talk about it, it helps. 
So I did great. And it's like when you're constantly, you know, in these little speaking arrangements, got a high GPA, you know, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So then they asked me if I wanted to give the kind of graduation speech for the College of Engineering and College of Applied Sciences. You kind of like three or four colleges graduate on a day. And it's cool because my dad teaches there, so he kind of got to gown me on stage. Awesome. So it was cool, man. I didn't totally let him down. I mean, I probably let him down a little bit because he's an immigrant dad, but yeah, you know, I didn't totally let him down. It was a cool little, cool little thing for us. No, I mean, I'm sure he was super proud, man. First born to like come and like talk at graduation at his university. Second born. Second well, born. first male well, born. Yeah, first, first male born. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, man. No, that's awesome, man. That's a great feeling. Great feeling. You said something really important that I think I, I, I like to highlight, and that's confidence begets confidence. And for our listeners, you know, how do you get to that level where you have some achievement and you can have some confidence? You got to try. You got to get out there and you got to keep trying and you got to never quit because I think a lot of people um, wonder how you get the confidence that you speak of. Like, yeah, and if you could speak to how you even ventured into that, into like just making it happen and and, and pushing through whatever doubt you might have had. Yeah, I mean it's it is so much like. I mean, man, I, I probably have a lot of people to thank that yeah. just subconsciously just picked me up along the way. I did have a high drive. Like you <laughs> kind of also just got to stay in the pocket until like some good things start to happen to you like right. you know i needed like if i would have never taken that chemistry course as of you know end of my freshman year i would have yeah. just thought of myself as the chemistry student from high school and i'm like i can't do this mm -hmm. you just kind of got to just kind of keep showing up until mm -hmm. you know because like there's so many times you might look at someone's lifestyle and there's so many forks in the road and you're like man that went my way and then everything came my way <laughs> you know yeah. so to speak and I just, I needed some things to fall my way. Like I remember my summer after my junior year, I came to Maryland and I worked at a lab at NIH. And it was just so satisfying for me because I didn't really have any name, like real, real name brands yeah. on, my, on my resume until then. So for me, I felt super validated and like I needed that. And did I doubt my abilities before that? For sure. Especially I didn't have like a classic chem bio background like a lot of the other kids. <laughs> but you know i found someone willing to take a chance on me and i just kind of kept putting up shots so it's just like yeah. if, it didn't, if it didn't work for you in year two that just means you got a year three on your schedule and we're all on different tracks so you just got to kind of keep going at it there you go man stay in the pocket yeah stay in the, stay in the pocket and take them hits yeah man <laughs> it's just like anything though you just keep doing it like at some point it's going to work out like you just keep at it it's gonna yeah. work out, you know, and like something, someone's gonna discover you, or someone's gonna give you a chance, or, you know, even like just being consistently around people that you thought were like, you know, smarter or like more, um, you know, like more gifted than you. Like when you're around them consistently, then you kind of start realizing, hey, they're just regular people. I oh, can yeah. be, like, I yeah. can be here with them. Like, I can do this with them, you know. So, like, just just getting that exposure, like, super important. So it's like Nipsey said, man. The only <laughs> difference, between, the only difference between me and the guy who didn't make it. Is I never gave up. That's right. That's exactly right. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right, That's man. It. Yeah, exactly man. Right. So, yeah, man. Straight neighborhood. I love it. So, <laughs> so tell us. So, like, so you said you kind of mentioned this too. So, like, so you started applying to all these different medical schools. Tell us about the process for you. How was that for you? Oh man, it was super. It was super nerve wracking. 
but I kind of had the mentality of like, like I said, I developed that skill of like kind of being um, charismatic, being able to talk about myself in a very concise and clear way and answer their questions. Mm-hmm. And so like I had a pretty good, you know, uh, application on paper, but you know, you never really know how it's going to fall. Like mm-hmm. in, in the, when you're applying to like great schools. So I threw up, I don't remember the numbers now, threw up a lot of apps mm-hmm. and I kind of had the sense of like, I don't know how many interviews I'll get, but if I get an interview, it's a wrap. Like don't sort of like yes. a, don't don't let me on campus. Right? Let me <laughs> exactly. on campus. And uh, I remember my first interview was Tufts, and oh man, you never forget like when you fill out that secondary and it pops up in the email and you just the, she just felt so legit. Yeah, and, man. You know you got to book a flight and it just mm-hmm. felt it felt so official yeah. at twenty. You know, and I remember going there, and the first girl I met was one of those like, oh yeah, like I packed on my interviews, like my eighth interview, and I packed on my interviews in the beginning of the year because the second half of the year I'm working at an NGO in Malawi, blah blah blah. <laughs> and you're like, oh wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so there are those applicants, but after that, I just um, you know, I I don't, I don't know if I had a ton of interviews, but that really what what it was so that if I got an interview. Either I got in or I got waitlisted, but no one that interviewed me rejected me. But not everybody yeah. interviewed me. So yeah. threw out a lot of apps and then um That's man, important for people to hear, I was gonna say. Like, you know, we yeah. talked about this before. Like you might not get as many interviews as like a minority applicant, but you can definitely dominate when you get there. You oh know? yeah. Like, because like you're already gonna be put in a spotlight because you're just different, you know. You're, like you're coming on campus, your name is Osama. And yeah. you're like at University of Akron, you're an engineering student and you're applying to med school. Like they're already interested, you know. So so how was it when you first got your uh, first uh, acceptance letter into med school? Oh, man, it was, it was actually a voicemail. I don't I don't know why it was so personal. But <laughs> yeah, Tufts, Tufts called me and Shout I, out Tufts. I was sleeping and I got a, a voicemail forget what kind of phone I had in 2009, but I had a voicemail and I was like, <laughs> take a nap on the couch, rolled over, saw whatever the Boston area code was. I was like, oh, that's weird. And listened to the, um, to the voicemail. I said, you got in and I was, I was elated. I was elated, wow. man. Cause nice. Tufts had a new med school building. It looked so fancy and cool. And I just, uh, oh, everything man. was at ease. Like I knew I was going to med school next year, regardless of what happened from there on so <laughs> man right. it's, it's such a good feeling like i remember that year of my life is just like that's as optimistic as maybe i've ever been in life <laughs> so good yeah I'm made so, how soon was after your interview that you got called ah uh, that's a great question i I really don't even remember i, I mean know, i interviewed in the fall cool. and i i definitely got in in the fall like before i remember it's before the new year so I feel, that's a good feeling, man. Before yeah, Thanksgiving, yeah. Christmas is awesome. Yeah, man. it was so, great. I, it was great. I thought they called you after the interview. Like, man. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> on the way Come out. On. I, was yeah, in the park, I, I was at the airport terminal. Yeah, man. <laughs> Wait, so, so, so tell us. So more, more importantly, so how did you feel when you got into UCLA, though? Dude, I lost my mind. <laughs> I, I lost my mind because what happened was... um. You know, like NYU and UCLA were the two schools I really wanted to go to because I was trying to get to a big city. Yeah. And NYU, March 1st, they let out their, um, like, you know, results or I guess, you know, letting you know if you got in or waitlisted or their decisions, I guess. Oh, they made one decision, I guess. 
uh, at least for the spring. Maybe people are already in, but I was oh, later yeah. for NYU. Okay. So I was, I was at my parents' house, and my mom was very spiritual. She prays a lot, so she was, she was praying a ton. And like <laughs> midnight struck, and I opened it up, and I got into NYU, and we were screaming, and we lost it. And then that oh, day, I was like, you know what? Let me just later that day, I was like, let me just check on my UCLA application. And I was like, hey, you know, because back then people were checking on student doctor and like saying, mm. oh, like I heard back, I heard back. So I saw a lot of people posting on student doctor, and I said, let me just call them. And I called them, and the guy said, uh, what's your name? And he said, oh, okay, yeah, let me take a check. So oh, yeah, this has been a decision. And he said, and congratulations. I said, oh, whoa. <laughs> I was on campus and I lost it, man. I lost it because and like all the other schools were great. But just growing up in Ohio, like California was just so different. It was so different, man. I'll never forget the guy who gave me my tour at UCLA. He's not ENT surgeon. This guy, Yuan Lu, he's in the class above me. I'll never forget. Yuan looked at me and I was like, you know, how's this? How's that? And it was more or less unrelated to my question. He goes, oh, I just take a lot of naps. <laughs> what? And I, and I was asking him something like we we're just walking from the school and I was like, yo, like what's this like or what's something about the schedule? And he goes, Oh, I just take a lot of naps. <laughs> I was like, man. <laughs> I was like, get me out there. God. Yeah, man. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, looking back, Yuan's brilliant. He went to Harvard. I mean, things come very, very easy to Yuan. Man, shout out to him though. Man. You know, and he's like, you know, he's he's a very Cali guy. Mm-hmm. So but oh, hey, you know, he he kind of gave me that idea that it was just, you know, West Coast chilling. And it really was. It was 85 when I arrived in December and I was told. Oh, man. And well, I'm sure it was like negative 85 in Akron when you left. Absolutely. Man. How'd you get in these programs, man? These big city programs, highly competitive programs. How do you think? I don't, I don't know, man. Man yeah, above was looking, looking out for me, honestly. I, you know, a lot of it is just, I, I really, I mean... I wish there was some secret formula. I mean, I was really, really hungry in mm-hmm. college. Like, I really wanted to do well. And maybe that self-motivation and just interviewing really well somehow translated and came out. But you need a lot of fortune and good luck. There's just a, a lot fewer spots than there are qualified people. And yeah. so it just but you never gave up. I never gave up. Yeah, I never gave up. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, I am just fortunate, but it's – Hard work and good luck, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So tell us. So how was uh like so tell us about the makeup of like the UCLA med school? I feel like it's kind of different than what you were used to in Akron. Uh, you mean like they like, think like the like what the class looked like? I guess. Sure. Um, well, I feel like in the Midwest, diversity tends to be more like kind of white, black, white, black, mm-hmm. versus like now you move to the West Coast and there's a much larger Asian population, much larger Latino Mexican population. So the class is super diverse. I think we're maybe like 200, um, maybe like 40 or 35 or so or MD, PhD, and then the other 160 oh. or so um, or just like general, um, you know, normal med students. It's a little bit interesting because like I was the, there were only two black men in my class and you see a lot of like, yeah, they kind of have like a, um, I don't even know what I would call it. They have a UCLA Drew track where there's kind of a focus on community medicine or underserved programs. So Mm -hmm. the other guy was in that program. So I was the only like, I think I was one of two black people and I was the only black guy in the non-Drew UCLA program. UCLA program. So that always, you know, that 
aspect was a little bit weird from just like a cohesion, you know, mm-hmm. uh, aspect, yeah. especially because the Drew program has, they like come to campus early. They have like a two-week enrichment beforehand yeah. where they're hanging out and they're kicking it. So I'm like showing up late to the barbecue. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, it's kind of like, oh, like, you're not, what, you're not rocking with us. Yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. So it took a little bit to kind of ease some of that. But um, no, my first two years at UCLA were, they were the best, man. They were the best. A lot of those guys are still like my friends till this day. And those years were were awesome. It was it was work hard, play hard. But mm-hmm. I mean, there was no better place to be in LA. Pre-social media, pre-Uber, pre-everything. It was just, <laughs> we were just hanging out, man. It was a lot of fun. Everybody, you know, we, we played so much basketball. We're just out dope. We're just outside all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, there's a reason I haven't left. (laughs) Yeah, man. So I was going to say, so you kind of, you said you kind of mentioned you were interested in surgery when you got there and then um, started getting interested in other things. So tell us how you ended up uh, choosing the dark side. Sure. I mean, I think, well, one, you, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'll be honest, like, you, you know, you, you've been a huge mentor to me professionally and personally and you were always just, uh, you never really pushed it on me. You were always kind of like, hey, um, you know, that's cool if these are interests. Just keep this in the back of your mind. <laughs> you were very anti. You yeah. were very anti. You're like, you sound a little insane right now, but just keep this in the back of your mind. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, okay. And then it was kind of serendipitous from there because I was a little burned out after third year. I was pretty academic back then, and I took a year off to go to NIH. Mm. And um, I did that year, and when I called when I reached out to the ENT research guy at NIH, he's like, Oh, two people from your program have already accepted projects. Like wow. my lab is full. And I was like, Whoa, it's like April. We start in July. Wow. So these yeah. kids are hardcore. Yeah. And, um, I got there and I interviewed with a bunch of surgeons and I just didn't really vibe with any of them. And then I interviewed with this guy who was doing like some tumor imaging, molecular imaging stuff, this guy by the name of Peter Choiki. And out. you know, you know, when you're around your people, and yep. he was just so he was just so chill and it was just such a cool vibe. And I was like, even if all my projects just, you know, are nonsense this year, like I know this guy's gonna have my back. Let me just work with him. A year in radiology, went to RSNA that year. We were, mm-hmm. you know, we were productive putting out stuff and I was like, Oh, it's a wrap. Yeah. It's a wrap. All that tension yeah. I felt in those twelve weeks, gone. It's a wrap. You know, and then I, I came back to UCLA and I had like stuff I could talk about and stuff I could do. And like, you know, when you're a med student, you can like make people's life easier or you actually don't need all your work to be checked when it comes to research or whatever. Right, like they're right. all about it. And um, so then I interviewed all over the country and especially with all the research background, I got a lot of great interviews. Mm-hmm. And then I was really planning, I was ready to leave California and get something new, but all the interviews are in the winter. They keep calling me. <laughs> I'll never yeah. forget my, my PD. <laughs> my PD, he like squared me up. And he was like, he was like, come on, man. He goes, it'll be like the LeBron Miami years. That's what what he said. He's like, he's like, you can't go back yet, man. He goes, these four years will be like the LeBron Miami years. And I was like, dang. (laughs) That's true. And it was warm. And um, I remember going to like a research meeting and people were like actually asking my input and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like, 
I can't toss all this away. So I signed yeah. up to do radiology residency at UCLA, and uh, I don't regret it at all. It was awesome. Nah, man, you can't leave, man. It's too, it's too nice, man. It's too nice out there, especially once you're, like, established. You have, like, a whole cohort of, like, you know, students that you went to med school with. They're going to be out there, you know. So it's it's tough to leave, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, I mean, it's so tough. And it's very, I don't want to say incestual, but, like, you know, Cali has people who are, like, stars that are trying to stay. Then there's people who are stars and trying to come back. And then there's people yep. who are stars and are like, I did so well. Let me just throw an app in there and just try. Yep. So, you're always <laughs> yeah. hesitant to leave because you're like, I don't know if I'll ever get back in, so to speak. Right, right. Now, I remember right. when I did fellowship out there, I mean, like, I think like half of the fellows, not half, like a good number of the fellows were like, they're doing like their second fellowship because they didn't like want to leave like you know, the west side of <laughs> west side of like San Juan, oh, yeah. you know, so they were like, I'm just going to stay out here until I get a job, you know, like, like we're not, we're not leaving. So. I used to always joke, like when I was mentoring med students, I'd be like, a lot of people go on an interview and they literally, I would just point at a chair in the room. They're like, I need to match there. <laughs> like, I'm like, don't be that guy. Because that's how a lot of these Cali kids are. They're just like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm not going anywhere. I need to match in that corner, right? There. Yep. I need that seat. <laughs> like, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, but you ended up leaving eventually, though. So you did. So you you went out to uh, New York for a magnificent year that was planned, and then kind of got hit by the uh, pandemic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I did a neuroradiology fellowship at Cornell. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be an awesome year to get to kind of experience Manhattan and New York for a year, but pandemic hit. It was still an awesome year in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, I I don't know about you guys where especially Travis, I don't know if you did fellowship at a different place than your residency, but like for me, it was, it was huge. There's no disrespect to my residency, but I think it was really important just to see something different. Like, Oh, these are other ways to do this. Then you know what your program does well and what they don't do well. And I think it just made me better, kind of just more well-rounded coming in to be an attending. Absolutely, man. I second that, you know, it's like, you know, with your institution, respect the hell out of them for what they can and what they taught you to do. Um, but when you go somewhere else, you just learn a different skill set. It's just undeniable. Um, so I, I definitely agree with you on that one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And your your network grows, and it's just exactly you, you have no, you have nothing to lose. I get the people that have like a wife and kids, and they don't want to like move the family and stuff. But uh-huh. if you're not too rooted, I think there's a lot of value in changing where you train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of gives you a perspective on, like, there's a million ways to practice, like, you know, your specialty, you know. So, like, it's, it's important to see other people doing it. And sometimes there'll be, you know, people that are doing it the way you want to do it, and then there'll be people doing it the way you don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. But it's important to have that perspective. So then you can kind of make a decision for your career at that point. So, um, 100%. So how did you make a decision, like, make it, you know, choosing a job, I guess, afterwards? Oh, man. Well, I always kind of had... Um, you know, there's always like a couple of jobs that kind of always circulate as like the cornerstone jobs. Yeah, people want to get exactly. And I always kind of kept my eyes and ears out. And um, Scripps in San Diego, I've always heard was a great job. So I actually, and I was doing a lot of MAMO too. So I was kind of trying to brand myself as this like MAMO neuro guy. And hopefully mm-hmm. nobody else exists as such a person. <laughs> and I was like, they'll you know, they'll want me. And uh, I reached out to them at the beginning of my fourth year before I even left. And they're like, ah, cool. It's great. We don't really need anybody. 
And then when it came time to um, apply for jobs the following year, I just like replied to that email and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, remember me? And they're like, actually, funny, we need people. <laughs> so, um, you just and kept actually, trying, you didn't give up. Exactly. And there's a pretty good UCLA cohort there, a radiologist. You introduced me to Ali Sepadari. Oh, shout out. Yeah, Ali is there. He's doing great. And so, you know, network helped me. And then I went out and uh, saw them kind of mid-year. Yeah. And then once I kind of saw the package, I was sold. And I always wanted to kind of move from L.A. to San Diego. I felt like it was kind of a natural, just kind of <laughs> life, L.A. light. Yeah. L.A. light as far as prices and uh, yeah. and traffic, et cetera. And, um, yeah, so that was how, that's how I chose the job. That's awesome, man. I mean, it's uh, – now, do you have any uh, – do you have any regrets, I guess, throughout your whole journey? Or do you feel like you kind of, you know, left no stone unturned on your way? Mm, you know, I think being the age I was and the time, like, I feel like from 2000, I graduated college in 2010. Mm-hmm. And I feel like from 2010 to 2021, when I was in training, was like just the greatest tech boom mm. of all time. That's true. And, <laughs> I feel like my friends who are like equal caliber students and didn't go into medicine were just like sprinting past me in life and they were doing yeah. so well. Yeah. I think it was really easy to kind of become like bitter. And I think if I had to do it again, I maybe would have just like, mm, just maybe found, just, I don't want to say I had a better attitude, but just like maybe trust the process or just enjoyed it a little bit more, especially the residency part. I feel yeah. like from third year of med school until like, and the fellowship, like it was great, but like I could have, I, I could have gone about it a little bit differently. So maybe I would have just kind of softened my attitude towards it a little bit. But other than that, yeah, I mean, definitely not. Like I love the job I have now, super flexible, and all the. I mean, my time in California has like shaped, you know, who I am and like my entire life. And, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, from like Akron to San Diego and L.A. That's no, it really, like- it really felt like draft day. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really did. I totally, I, I understand how you feel, though, man. You know, you go through this process, and it's easy to get jaded. You know, when you feel like everything to do, and, and when you have to put up a, when you feel like you have to put up a front to like look for work when there's no work to do. <laughs> like that's what the thing. Like it's demoralizing. Yeah. yeah. So if you get a bad taste in your mouth, if you're not, but if you're not um, careful, so. You have to do whatever you can to keep keep your energy up and keep keep your motivation up. Uh, I do want to ask you, as I ask all our interviewees, what was the most difficult thing you overcame, and how did you do it? Hmm. What is the most difficult thing I overcame? That's a great question. Um. I don't know if it was the most difficult, but it's probably the one that comes to most to mind is just the. And I think it's still something I work through on a day to day is just the imposter syndrome. Talk about mm. it. You know, yeah. it's just the imposter syndrome. It's just like yeah. um, I never really feel like it's supposed to like if I were to see someone with my I'll never forget, like my last year of residency, I was chief resident. And, you know, I was like, if I would have been 16 and someone's like, hey, this guy's chief resident of radiology at UCLA. He went to UCLA Med School. He lives in Marina Del Rey. Like, this guy's doing well. I've been like, oh, this guy's him. But I was him, and I didn't feel that way at all. You know, all you think about mm-hmm. it is you don't know what your deficits are. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just like, 
I don't know. You know, I, I really can't give myself too much credit for getting through it. I mean, honestly, I remember, like I said, just having good, you know, mentors is kind of like an intimidating word to make it seem like the relationship is so formal. But I just like, I just talked to people. I just knew people a bunch. And Saad yeah. was one of the first people ever that kind of like touched on the um, psychological side of radiology or medicine. And he used uh -huh. to always tell me about like not getting down on myself on misses early in the night. Right. <laughs> That's like, yeah. No, no, no. And seriously, like, and none of my classmates knew about any of this. Like, they just, or maybe they're robots. I don't know. But for me, it mattered. Like, yeah, if I'm, because we were always overread, because basically we were reading one hospital and the attending was like in another hospital and he was reading, overreading us and reading for two others. So mm -hmm. he was like kind of with us, but he was like on like a three to four hour delay, unless we mm -hmm. like texted him and told him it was a trauma. Mm -hmm. So, like, if I got a call like early in the night, like, oh, you missed a pneumo, or there's like blood in there, like, I'm, I'm on edge, you know, for the rest yeah. of the night. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll restart the search pattern like four times. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. And so it just... <laughs> now you got the yips. Yeah, you got the yips. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, then you get to boards and radiology boards is so... Oh, man, all the physics. And you're going to these yeah. review classes and just like constantly, you know, and like there's a huge sampling bias in the feedback you get is you get like one good call yeah yeah it's kind of like like flying a plane like you're supposed mm -hmm. to land all of them i'm only yeah, gonna let you, i'm only gonna reach out to you if you don't land one of them exactly uh, so exactly you know i think the imposter syndrome is probably the biggest thing that i've worked through and continue to work through and um there's an element of just time heals all there's a, like i wish i had like some dope story to say like this is how i got through it or what i did and i you know, just like everything else, I kind of just kept showing up and yep. I still feel. No, that's great, man. You dropped some knowledge. And I think a whole lot of us, so many of us can relate to what to, to what you experienced. Because a lot of it is just the mental battle. Like once you can kind of, you know, get over like the mental side of it, like you can kind of unlock yourself to do anything. So that's true. Um, that's true. Side. But I remember people told me like in, when I was doing radiology too, same thing, like in residency, they're like, if you miss, just keep shooting. Yeah, mm -hmm. keep going. You just got because you, you you have to learn. You're here, you're there to learn. So just keep going. And even when you finish, and even when like you know you're like thirty years into your career, you're gonna keep learning. So, you and I were talking the other day about like um, just being put in the right environment. And I remember like the first like three four times I was on call, I had all these attendings who were super particular about language. So even if my read was right, I would go look at the report and I was like, I didn't say any of that. Like right. my report was just diced up. And then I was on call one day with an attending, 12-hour shift. And he didn't change a word I said anywhere. And there were no <laughs> – and I'm not saying he was right to do that, but there was no yeah. patient harm done. And that was the first time I was like, oh, like I'm not so far off. Yeah. You know? Because when everything's being changed, thing. there's just like this running narrative in your head of like I am wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, no, that's – that's so major, man. Just to like know that like what you're saying is actually affecting like patient care directly and like knowing that it came from you and your like education and like your whole, you know, process of learning. It's, it's just like it just puts it all together for you, it gives you that confidence that you're going to need to like continue doing it, you know. So and I think that's a lesson on validating yourself. So many yeah. of us struggle with that. You're looking for external validation, but you figured out, hey, patient care was an impact that actually probably contributed to patient care in a positive way. And I realized that I'm not too far off. I'm I'm doing my thing here, and um, oh, so true. I had to come from within. I think and confidence begets confidence, and so you keep you keep going. No, that makes sense, man. I mean, that, that's super. Important.
So, so, so important. So on that note, we're going to get you out of here on this last question though. So tell us, what would you tell someone who's like struggling in high school or uh, undergrad or med school trying to make it through? Oh man. Um, I'll probably say find your why, you know, cause there's going to be a lot of days mm-hmm. you don't want to do it. And even if it's a weird why, you know, find a way to touch, touch that why as often as possible. And yeah. um, two, I would say, you know, nothing is ever as bad as it seems. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> every, everything looks so ridiculous from the outside. Um, and then three, I would probably say just get to know as many people of all ages, races, colors, and everything. The, pe- the people in my life have done all the heavy lifting. In, in all honesty. And I, I didn't like go and meet people out like with that intention of they will pay off in my life. But I just just being social, just being curious. Like, you know, the people will give you the answers. I really didn't have to like go digging in corners to figure out this or that. Like I just was out here and people, you know, you develop connections and people people tell you how to how to get from step A to step B. And that's all you're really trying to do. Nah, too real too real man that's so true man that's 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 part of being human too i mean that's how you kind of yeah. like create like bonds and like a community like that that's what it is like it doesn't have to be something that's formal like it's it's it can just come along yeah yeah so true man but man we appreciate the fresh prince west coast out here with us oh man. you already know <laughs> yeah man <laughs> neighborhood all day man we appreciate <laughs> you doing this with us man this was awesome we're gonna have you back we're gonna go to more detail about this uh whole medicine thing man so we appreciate you doing it man i love it yeah man we appreciate everyone listening thank you guys so much and uh till next time stay low and keep firing (laughs) (laughs) had to had to do it Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you get your pods. I spoke to my agent. He said we were doing a two-part, so y'all tell me what happened. That's right. <laughs> you down. You down. I'm playing. I'm playing.